Hello and welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. Hello. Hello, hello. What's happening? It's your girls. It's your girls. What's up? It's Krista. <laughs> and Lindsay. How are you guys? Time that pretty well. Uh, so glad you're here as always. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being a loyal listener of Almost 30. Mm-hmm. And if you're new, welcome to the show. We've yeah. been doing this thing for, what is it now? 18 years? It's about 18 years. <laughs> Coming around the bend. Coming around the bend of 18, 18 good old years. Can you imagine us saying that Children. one day? Jesus Christ. Yeah, that would free, that would be that would be interesting. <laughs> Who is it? I, there's wow. a friend that kind of is making a pivot or someone I saw that I know is making a pivot. And I was like, you know, it's so interesting because you see that happening. Like, oh, they're pivoting. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. But you're like, yeah, that's what happens. That's what literally happens. You've been happens. doing something for six years and of course you're going to do something else. <laughs> Who has never pivoted? Honestly, I, I thought that. I was like, oh, that's very interesting that they're doing that. And then I was like, yeah, I mean, what? You've seen this person online for six years. I know, I'm trying to think like a, it's like, who's the painter? Bob Ross. Is uh-huh. that his name? Yes. Yeah. Never pivoted. Just does his that's thing. That's true. <laughs> There's something to that, to be honest. <laughs> There's something to just being, being a Bob Ross, a Bob Ross of the world. Oh man, well, it's funny because when we started the podcast, I feel like, well, first of all, our guest today is an OG guest and has been on the podcast a few times. And really, I feel like she put us on the map Mm -hmm. in a way, you know? As we put other people on the map, (laughs) she put us on the map. Um, Yeah, she... You know, we put people like Jay Shetty, Glennon Doyle, all these people on the map. Yeah, people know about them now. (laughs) Literally. Um, But yeah, Kelly Levesque is here, but... We started the podcast kind of focusing more on health mm-hmm. and wellness and have had kind of an evolution. Yes, we still talk about it, but evolution through like relationships and sex was a focus. And then now it's more spirituality. Um, but you can't talk about spirituality without talking about the body. Mm-hmm. That's sort of like the evolution that we had where we realized that so much of this was related to the spiritual practices. And I think for me, I realized how much the conversation with the body or health was about my mental health. Mm. Mine was like more so like realizing that the body relationship to my mind was most important. And then, you know, kind of from mind, I went to spirituality. But I think I had to realize that the relationship and how I treat food, how I treat, how I nourish myself really is a small part of how I live my life. Do I rush through things? <laughs> Am I not fully present? Am I not being mindful? Am I not being conscious of, of my eating or what I'm doing? And I think it's just been like a microcosm of, yeah, how I, how I approach life. Definitely, definitely. I definitely notice, um, I noticed the connection between <laughs> food. Food is so interesting for me. I feel like my family used it as the glue at times to mm-hmm. kind of, bring us together, which is beautiful to think about. But there was also this like big focus on food that actually translated into like in my teens and 20s, being so hyper-focused on food in general, whether I was restricting or whether I was like just going wild and crazy and not really caring. There was this kind of like always a loop of thinking about food. And I do think it's because growing up, it was just such a yeah, it was a, a comfort. It was a way to feel like home connected. And so I actually sometimes would notice myself get anxiety around people not caring about like mm. food and a meal as much as I did. Mm. And now I'm like less, I'm less focused on that. But it was like an interesting thing where I'm like, why don't people care about this? This is what brings us together. We're not like, yeah, it was just a, an interesting thing that I noticed about 
myself. And then I noticed that a lot of people in my family like use that as a way to really connect, soothe, soothe, like soothe themselves, you know? Wow. And people caring, it's like people, what does caring at a meal mean? So like, I love the like ritual of like coming together Mm. and like going out to dinner and or making or cooking food. And um, I have a sister who like, just doesn't really care. And mm-hmm. it's like very just like, whatever, I don't care. And I I, I would kind of take it personally. Mm-hmm. It's a, yeah, it's a very bizarre thing, but yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's very, I think food lives at the center of a lot of mm-hmm. our relationships, interactions, things that we do on the everyday. And so to your point, like this microcosm of like the bigger and what's mm-hmm. happening and how we are is is very true. Yeah. it's It's interesting when you peel back the layers and Something I'm working on is at therapy, we've kind of gotten to the point where now we're sort of in the body. We were working on other things last year. And then now we're sort of on that tip where we're working on the body and um, food relationship. And she actually specializes in eating disorders. So Mm. she works at a clinic. So she's actually a specialist in eating disorders. So she's like in the pocket right now. (laughs) But I realized how much shame I felt when I nourished myself. Mm. You know, I think in our family, no one really nourished themselves like no one like ate food and was like mm, yum I deserve this totally. <laughs> everyone was like oh my god I'm terrified of this food yeah it's gonna make me feel yeah. gross or whatever the experience was and so now relearning to like nourish my body and that it's okay mm-hmm. you know and there was some experiences that I had when I was younger just in our family some things that happened that really prevented me from feeling like I totally deserve to nourish myself mm-hmm. and sort of just moving through food very quickly. It's like you think about food and then it, you'd eat it for a, a minute and sort of want to move sure. on. And so that's why I eat so fast. That's why I'm just not as conscious when I when I eat. And so I'm trying to really work, work mm-hmm. on that. Definitely. I feel like conversations with people like Kelly, you know, in the life of the pod have really helped me to just like appreciate that, mm-hmm. appreciate nourishing myself and why why the like learning about what your specific body needs are, especially related to like your lifestyle, if you have hormone imbalance, et cetera, is just so important. And I think was kind of that missing piece for me in order to feel really peaceful around eating. Like I I think there was that like 20s era where it was like, okay, I eat food in order to reward myself. Mm. You know, like I either work a whole day and then I get this huge dinner and I'm just like not even paying attention. I'm just rewarding myself for all that I've done throughout the day. Or like after a night of drinking, it's like that comfort Mm -hmm. and it's that sense of reward as well. But really understanding like what my body needed has just made me feel, yeah, more comfortable around food in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a thing. I mean, it's nice to not be in college or high school where Mm -hmm. you're around people like that. You know, Mm -hmm. you're kind of solo more, which can be better for some people, I think, to sort of heal that relationship with food and even being home. You know, everyone being home so much could go both ways. You know, for some people, it could be incredibly hard and for others, you know, it could have been helpful. And I think I've seen that in the community where some people are like just really thriving by cooking at home, mm-hmm. kind of being more mindful of what they're eating. And then some people have had a really hard time with quarantine uh, as far as like diet and nutrition goes. Yes. Yeah, I'm curious to hear 
you know, people out there what your what your journey has been, especially over the last year. You know, if you listen to this episode, feel free to DM us on Instagram. And there's so many resources that Kelly provides, which I just I love about her. So many free resources for people who are learning more about nutrition. Her her newest offer, which is just incredible, is her body love journal. So mm-hmm. just bringing in that like reflective component to the everyday nourishment, I think is really important. Um, at least for me, I don't tend to write down things, but when I do, I remember it better. Mm-hmm. It just like solidifies and crystallizes the whatever I'm working on. Yeah. And in the journal, one of the prompts is like, write down everything you're thinking about related to food and your body. So it's kind of like a, a dump for like, I'm feeling you know, comfortable today. I'm feeling gross or I'm feeling like exhausted or I'm feeling this about my body or my experience. And I think putting that on the page is really powerful. Mm-hmm. So I actually, we have the journal and I've been uh, working through it, which has been really nice. I have my my morning journal that I work through that has my dreams and everything like that. And then have a focus on the body. What has been really powerful. And Janine Roth, who has um, Women, Food, and God, she has various books that I really recommend for anyone that's struggling with body and eating. She has a really beautiful journal as well that Mm -hmm. I find to be incredibly helpful. So uh, Kelly's is incredible. I think Kelly's is more applicable for a first stage. If you're looking for more of a relationship kind of rewire and reset around food, I think Janine Roth is really powerful. I was actually talking to people in my DMs about this too, but there's also Dr. Shira. She has Mm. The Food Therapist, which is a really, really great book for healing your relationship with food. And then there's Eating in the Light of the Moon, which is really, really good about... um, talking about how in history, women have felt so much shame around eating and nourishing themselves. And that's a really powerful book. So those are some of my recommendations for anyone that's really working on healing their body food relationship besides um, digging into Kelly's, Mm. you know, Kelly's stuff. Wow. Oh, I want to read that. That Mm -hmm. sounds so interesting. It's a really good one. It just made me immediately think of like, you know, when you're on like a first date or something and you're like so hyper aware of like, the other person and how they might be like, you know, what you it's order, weird. how you because eat. my dad, because my relationship with my dad, I don't give a fuck around guys. Oh, that's good. Mine's okay, only cool. around women. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel uncomfortable around women. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So I'd be on a date and be like, "Whatever, dude." <laughs> Spaghetti. I'm at my sorority. I'm like, <laughs> 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 I've actually been bringing Kelly's Fab Fours back into my life. I went oh, through yes. a season of like you doing them a lot. Yep. And it's just a tried and true. Yeah. It's the best. The Fab Four has changed everyone's game. So Mm -hmm. it's protein, fat, fiber, greens, and just making sure that your plate, whatever you're eating, includes that. Um, And then also Kelly was talking a lot about in this episode, um, how to make a healthy home, Mm -hmm. which is really, really beautiful as a lot of people are moving. A lot of people are relocating. A lot of people are even switching apartments or maybe they move back in with their parents. Really mindful ways that we can think about creating a beautiful nest and environment and experience that really leads us to better health in the end. Yeah, she was talking about um, the reverse osmosis water system. She was talking about a specific filtration system as far as like the air, Mm -hmm. the central air. Uh, I, I was getting a little bit of anxiety. I was like, I need I know, me all too. of these. Me too. <laughs> and then she was also talking about, um, we talked about the new journal. We talked about how she's been doing with uh-huh. the second, her second kid. And really this transition she's had after having her second baby to the more spiritual and emotional part of eating and food, which is really beautiful. So people come to Kelly a lot of times for the science. They really want to dig into what she has to say um, from that perspective. And then now she's really focused more on the spiritual, emotional part of eating, which I think is powerful. Yeah. And she also opens up just about the 
healing work that she did after her first birth. Um, she had a, a traumatic birth with her first son. And as she was preparing to give birth to her second son, just what work that she did. And it was just really, really beautiful and super powerful yeah. that she took the time to to really do that and heal that before the second birth. Yeah, so she details that. And we talked about in this episode, you guys are going to be obsessed, <laughs> Element. Element, baby. You guys, Element. So I I'm like actually it drinking it right now. It's in my water bottle. Kelly changed Kelly changed, changed it for me. Yes. She's like, hey, you can add more water and dilute it. Yes. She I was, was drinking it during her episode. <laughs> yes. I'm obsessed. I, I drink it every every single day. Um, they have incredible flavors, but this is really um, an incredible no sugar electrolyte drink. And I've always struggled with being dehydrated. I'm not one that's just sipping water all day. I kind of have to remind myself. I have to force myself to do it. And this truly ensures that I am hydrated and also not losing minerals. Like mm-hmm. it's replacing all the minerals I lose either in a workout or in the studio under hot lights. Like it's really great. I've just noticed a total increase in my energy every day. Yeah, it's really important that we stay hydrated in the way that we have the salt in our water. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when we filter our water because especially in LA, I have like a triple filtration system that I use, then it really just makes the water nothing. It's Mm -hmm. almost distilled. So adding back in those important elements is really, really important. And this sort of sodium really helps people feel more energized. Kelly says she doesn't even have caffeine anymore. Mm -hmm. And um, there's no sugar, which is really important. I've seen other hydration beverages that are actually a lot of sugar. Yes, We've tried them before. And I remember I felt exhausted because it was this direct Either it was cane or beet sugar that made me really tired. Mm. It just spiked my blood sugar very quickly. And so Element's nice because it has a touch of stevia. And so these are little packets and they're these little like hydration packets that you can basically throw in your water. You can put as much or as little as you want. And it helps you just drink water more through the day and actually be really, really hydrated. And Kelly is like obsessed. Yes. I mean, anything Kelly says, I'm like, okay. I know, same. Okay. (laughs) So they're actually sponsoring this episode. So because Lindsay and I love them, we've been using them for a couple months now. And then Kelly recommended them again. And in this episode, it was recorded a few months ago. And we were like, we actually are not sure. And ever since she was like, okay, you guys need to put more water in it Mm -hmm. and like kind of get used to it. Uh, We've been loving it. I have the citrus salt in my my, um, container right now. And I wanted them to sponsor because I know so many people after listening to this would want to try it. And so I wanted to get you guys a discount for Element so you guys could try it because we love Kelly's Rex. So we have a discount code for you. As always, almost 30 is the code. So go to drinkelement.com. That's drinklmnt.com. I love the raspberry and the watermelon. What do you love? The citrus salt? I love citrus salt. It's mm-hmm. like a freaking Gatorade. Really? It's like a straight up Gatorade. That one. It is so good. But you guys can get the um, sample packs, which are also really great. So you can try a bunch of their flavors. You can put as much water, as little water as you want, and they'll just help you stay hydrated and energized through the day. Awesome. Enjoy this episode. I would definitely share this with friends. Kelly is... And share all of her episodes with your yeah, friends. Yeah, there's four of them. <laughs> there's literally four. Um, and go to kellylevesque.com. You can learn more about her programs that she offers. She has an incredible program uh, for pregnancy as well. So if any of you uh, soon-to-be mama, she has a Fab Four pregnancy course. Um, she has her books, Body Love Every Day and Body Love. Seasoning, she has her protein. This woman 
is inspo. Inspo. <laughs> She's truly, yeah. And the other, you can just search uh, Kelly Levesque and then Almost 30 and find the other four episodes we've done. We went through the Fab Four. We went through her first pregnancy and her first birth. We've talked about all things science and health. Um, so we're excited for you guys to dig into this one and enjoy. Enjoy. I would love, I guess, just on the mold piece because I've actually been very curious about molds. And so how did you guys know that there was mold in your house? And how can people tell if they're living in a place that has a lot of mold? Well, first and foremost, you want to think if like there has ever been a leak, water damage, or anything like that in a home. Um, another time where you might have mold would be if there's not um, great airflow. And so what had happened to us in Los Angeles is I was pregnant with Sebastian and I was getting really hot at night because in LA, it's like two weeks of the year. And if you've lived through this, you know, if you don't have air conditioning, it's no big deal most of the time because you get that like California, you know, onshore breeze and you're like, ooh, this is awesome. But then there's these like hellish, like two to four weeks in August or September where you like, if you're sleeping in a bed next to someone, you end up stuck together because there's so much sweat and you're just, you know, <laughs> cursing at each other in the middle of the night. Like I can, I have so many memories, almost nine years in that, like our apartment together, Chris and I, where he would wake up in those months and just be like, ah, 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 you know, I'm just like, bud. So what happened was, is we complained, didn't complain, but we were just like buttering up our landlord and we're like, please put air conditioning units in. Like, we don't care if they're like the ugly ones that like go out the wall of your apartment. So he put the air conditioning units in and then we didn't open our bedroom doors and we would do our laundry and we would hang our laundry up and it would just create a lot of moisture in that room. And so what ended up happening is we weren't traveling anywhere because of COVID and we opened one of our back closets to pull out luggage because it was like finally May after the first quarantine in 2020 in March. We're like, oh, let's go visit. We're going to go down and visit my parents. And we were going to, you know, I was pregnant and I didn't want to tell anyone. It was like very new, you know, actually it's St. Patrick's Day today. And we conceived Toshin on St. Patrick's Day last year. Oh, last year. So it's like a special day. Um, Freaky. Um, so it was so new. I didn't, you know, we were going to go visit my parents for Mother's Day. We were maybe going to tell them, but maybe not. So we grabbed our luggage and we looked up on the ceiling and there were black spore spots like all over. So it was totally visual to us that there was something like something going on. And if you've ever been in these like, you know, any kind of like uh, mirrored closets where it sort of hangs down a little bit, you'd have to like go in your closet and look up like purposefully to see something on your ceiling, right? And it caught, it was like, there was so much that it caught our eye. And so my landlord, I love him to death, but he's old school. You know, I'm like using lead paints. It's LA, you know, we were lucky that he had like scraped the asbestos off the ceiling, like the cottage cheese ceilings. And, um, and I was like, Hey, you know, I really like, I am pregnant. I mean, he like, he like knew before anyone else, I am not comfortable with this. Like, I need you to either like put us up in a in an apartment and figure out, or in a, in a hotel, we need to figure out, we need to have it tested. I need to know what it is. Um, and he was like, oh, okay, we have mold all the time. Like, I'll just go in with some bleach. We'll wipe it off and we'll repaint for you. And I was like, yeah, that's not going to work for me. Like mold damage is severe. It can cause neurological issues. It can cause developmental issues. I'm pregnant. I don't want to be breathing those spores into my body. And it's so hard to nail down. Like I've had a, I had a client in the past that had a mold issue that then really took over his nasal cavity and like they couldn't get it under control. You know, he kept having sinusitis is what they thought and inflammation and come to find out like 
he had a really strong, like really strong mold issue that had basically, I mean, was, it was perpetuating itself in his own like nasal cavity. So the hard part is, is that getting someone to test mold, finding the right person, it's really difficult. I've even had people on my podcast try to talk to me about like, how do we get the right person out there? I think, you know, we're in the process of looking at a home. That's an inspection that I have to have figured out. Was there ever water leaks? Was there ever mold? Where was it? Can we break open a wall and see what it looks like? Because people can have what they think is seasonal allergies and really be circulating mold from, you know, through air ducts and like all kinds of stuff like that. So I would say, um, you know, I unfortunately don't have the expert at this point. I think talk to me in a month because we're just starting down this path of like, how can we get the right person to do inspections at a very deep level, especially buying older homes? Like people aren't buying. I mean, even if you buy brand new construction, which is just few and far between if you're in a in like a city or a metropolitan area, or you're just you're dealing with stuff that's built years and years and years ago. So yeah, and, and we live close to the beach. So there's just like way more moisture in the air. Um, I would say, uh, you know, I'll try to get you guys a, a contact to throw in the show notes. But if anyone has ever had water damage or you're moving into a new home, I think that's one of the number one things you need to be asking is... Was there water damage? Did you ever, you know, was there ever a leak? And and really get someone in there to to, to check it out. Wow. What's a typical protocol? Like if you're working with a client who has, um, has mold or has been affected by mold, is there a certain protocol as far as like nutrition and lifestyle or is it more just non-exposure? Yeah, no. Well, getting out of the, getting, getting out of a moldy place is obviously super important. Important and um, but I would say there are mold uh, protocols that uh, naturopathic doctors, DOs, even functional MDs use, and they are a lot of times herbal and detoxifying in that regard. So it would be I want to say like antibacterial, anti-mold herbals, and and that just depends on the doctor and the client. Like I have had clients that come to me. I'm not a mold expert, but I have had clients come to me with who are on a protocol from a doctor to fight mold. Got it. And it can be a long time. Like people can have a mold exposure years prior and and be like dealing with the aftermath of it. Mm. I think wasn't that Dave Asprey's like I think that was one of his beginnings into what he does is that he was in a space with mold and that was really impacting mm. his health and his immune system. And I think we've mentioned it before on the podcast, but yeah, I mean, being in Los Angeles, I feel like you can see stuff on the ceiling where, you know, they just paint over it. And um, I think the conversation, I guess, I think this is interesting to talk a little bit about the conversation around like a healthy home. And, you know, for you guys looking for the home, what sort of things are you being mindful of when you're looking to buy a home, when you're looking to like create a space that you're going to have your family come and you're going to have your future kids and your kids now live? Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, I've dreamt of this day for so long. I can't even tell you because not because I was like, oh, I want to be proud and be a homeowner. It's because when it goes, when you go to invest in your home and your and the health of your family, um, a lot of these things are really expensive to do if you're renting, right? Um, for me, a uh, reverse osmosis water filter, like for my entire home is super important. Like I want to know that the water that's coming out of my shower is filtered. Our, our water is full of fluoride. It's full of chlorine. And when you talk about taking a hot shower, if you're not Wim Hofing and doing ice 
cold showers, if you're taking like a normal temperature shower and you have that steam going on, or you love to take baths, like to think about your, you know, your skin is the largest organ and to be soaking in what could be, you know, toxic is, I mean, like, I don't want to say that because I don't want to fear monger. I don't want people listening to be like, great, I'm never going to take a bath or a shower. Do I take baths and showers? Absolutely. But to think that I could filter that stuff out and not have any chlorine and stand in the steam of my uh, shower and breathe in that steam and get the beauty benefits of of hydration and steam and, um, and all of that without any side effects, like sign me up. I'm, I'm for sure getting, you know, my, uh, all the water from my home filtered. I'm going to do HEPA filters and air filters throughout my whole home. That's really important to me. Um, investing in, in really awesome blackout curtains so that I can create that Vegas effect and really be, um, you know, right now we have sticky little like black curtains from Amazon for my boys. But like to know that, oh, I'm not going to invest in one of those like pull down blackout, like professional curtains or shades. If it's again, just another place we're going to live in for six months or we're renting it or something like that. So I I think when you think about it, you want clean water, you want clean air, you want want to support sleep. So when supporting sleep, we want to think about having a good air conditioning system and a heating system. One of the problems with heat is that heat is dry and it dries you out. There's no, there's no like humidifying effect there. So if you can, what you can have is you can have a heating, cooling, humidifying system that really keeps the air at the temperature and humidity that you want, you know, based on where you live. So that is, you know, just like base layer of like, okay, great. Like, what are we doing here to create that? What I've done in the past, you know, I've done, um, you can get an affordable reverse osmosis for like one little sink in your apartment. If you wanted to do that, that's doable. And you add trace minerals, you can do like water delivery, like mountain Valley spring water. We have mend down here where we're living right now, which is um, like an alkaline mineral rich water and delivered to you in glass bottles. So there's definitely ways to like jimmy rig it until you get into the place that you want to live forever. But dreaming of, you know, having a, a bathtub where I'm like, this is my master bath. And like, no one's been in this bathtub before me. <laughs> oh my God, dude, same. <laughs> Taking a bath in, L- in my LA apartment that had been there forever. And I'm like, this is so luxurious. God, not sexy. God, don't do that to me. That is so no terrifying. No rubber <laughs> Our tub like will fill up to the top and then I'll get in it and it slowly just goes, it slowly. So I only have like 10 minutes in it before it's completely done. And then I'm like laying naked bare in my tub. Um, just before we change, if we change, um, I just, the benefits of water, you know, what would be the benefits that people would see um, when they're having really high quality water? And what have you noticed when you're really prioritizing water that has great minerals and water that has been filtered? Yeah, I mean, well, the thing is, is even if you're if you're using reverse osmosis water, it's pulling all the minerals out. It's pulling everything out. So, like, it's one of the most efficient ways to pull junk out of your water, like fluoride and things like that. But the thing that you want to remember is that you're pulling out the minerals, and minerals are what really keep us hydrated. So, when people are drinking a bunch of bottled waters that are depleted of minerals, they could be drinking water all day long and peeing all day long, and you know, their pee is clear and they're not retaining that water and not retaining that hydration. I think what's more isn't always better. You want good, high quality water and you don't have to drink like three gallons and say like, oh, I checked my 
my box, like this is what I wanted to do was like drink three gallons of water. I think that's kind of silly. I'd rather people have mineral rich water. So if you're doing reverse osmosis, like I said, you want to add trace minerals or you want to let add electrolytes. Like I love Element. I talk about them a lot. Um, that's company was created by Rob Wolf. He's like OG paleo community. But the hydration effects, like your mental stamina, everything, like your your cells are primed to have like biochemical reactions when there are minerals present. So I am a huge fan of recovery. If I have it's I'm a huge fan of it because of recovery. When I think about clients who go into a lower carb lifestyle, they lean paleo or keto, they're purging a lot more um, minerals and they're getting rid of a lot of water weight. But then you can have like fluy type symptoms where you get a headache or you have the keto flu and hydration has so much proper hydration has so much to do with keeping you from those side effects. So um, I can tell you as a sleep deprived breastfeeding mom, like having electrolytes in my water and I actually have them right now because I'll drink them either first thing in the morning or when I have something important where I need to use my brain and be on where I used to lean on caffeine. I, I don't, you know, this is like, game changer for me. I feel so much better. And my like my milk supply is higher. You know, people are out there like downing lactation cookies and all this stuff. And I can stick to kind of the way I eat and and not even drink a whole bunch of water, but maybe like two or three of these a day max. And I feel great. Wow. Wow. Sip sip. Yeah, I <laughs> I tried that. So the What's the sensitivity to like the saltiness of yes. it? Yes. Because I tried them and I was like, I really want to like these. Didn't hate it. But I was like, this is so salty. Yes. So what is that? Is that telling me that I'm dehydrated? <laughs> no, I mean, I think, I think you know, you probably don't salt your food as much as I do. I have, um, I am not afraid of minerals. I am not afraid of salt. Everything that we've been told about salt causing hypertension, high blood pressures. We know in research that women with, high blood pressure, preeclampsia, actually that adding salt decreased <laughs> more than removing salt. And still we, you know, what people are being taught in medical school and what's coming out is like, oh yeah, remove salt and pull back on this. And we're just, you know, it's totally backwards. And so I think probably one, I would make sure that you're putting it in more water. So at a minimum, I'm putting a packet in 40 ounces of water. So this is a 40 ounce Yeti. It's not a little one. I think people will grab it, open it up and pour it in an eight ounce cup or a 10 ounce cup of water. And then you are drinking salt. That's pretty gross. So definitely dilute it. And that's another thing I'll do is I'll just throw like a half packet in one of these. And then later in the day, I'll t- throw the other half packet in. It just, it makes me feel amazing. And I've had so many clients who have had cravings and have a, had ha- such a hard time getting the sugar and carbohydrates out of their life. And not to say that... I don't want to say getting carbohydrates out of your life because let me rephrase that. Processed sugary, poor quality carbohydrates out of their life because they grew up on them like I did. You know, Bagel bites, Triscuits, Wheat Thins, all the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Costco kid. Um, so I know what all that is. I, in being married to Chris, it's like he found a donut shop down here and I'm like... <laughs> Buddy, you know, it's not like a twice a week thing. Like, find yourself a holiday, let's celebrate. But, um, you know, it is, it's just for some people it works. So try it, dilute it, see how you like it. And if it's not for you, it's not for you, but definitely salt your food. Or if people don't want to pay for electrolytes, pink salt grinder, 
two grinds into your water first thing in the morning. I think that's way better for you than lemon or apple cider vinegar. Love it. Yeah, I think I, I need to dilute it a little bit more. So the last time we talked to you, you you were in studio and I know I'm seeing you. I can't wait to see you again. You were talking, we were talking about your birth story. And I'm curious because since you've had another babe and just how you approached that second birth and what your feelings were around that based on your first birth experience and, and really how you prepared for that. Totally. Great questions. I love talking about stuff like this. Let's talk about this instead of food. Just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, I just think it's sometimes I'm a broken record, you know? So this is a lot You're more not. fun. We, um, we love it. Our, don't worry. <laughs> um, so I'm not sure if I told you guys last time. I had done six months of family and marriage and um, I think it was like loss therapy, grieving, grief therapy. Um, and I did about six months of it with a traditional therapist and post Sebastian. And um, and I was like, okay, like this has kind of run its course. Like I kind of just feel like I'm picking the scab and it's scarring up, but I don't know necessarily that it's it's not fixing anything and I don't need things to be fixed. But I was introduced to a man named Doc, uh, Dr. William Suey. And he was he's actually on the Goop and Health stuff on Netflix or the, you know, their series, he's on the episode where they talk about psychedelics. Um, and I actually went to him for trauma release therapy and told my birth story to him. And the point of this is that at certain points, you, when you feel like you might cry, you lean into it and you allow that emotion to be released. It was the most life-changing thing for me in that moment and consolidating that trauma because what ends up happening to people is they are in a really scary, hard situation and they may be a really strong, resilient person. And I mean, when Sebastian was rolled out of the room, um, I remember bawling when he hit my chest, but when he was being rolled out of the room, I was consoling Chris. I was like, it's okay, babe. It's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. I didn't cry. I didn't process that emotion, like tears mm. rolled down my face, but it wasn't like the movies where you see someone lose a child or go through a trauma and they're scream crying. Like I didn't have that experience. Like I, I was making sense of it in the moment and trying to, and also like really just shocked. So mm. that natural human response of like releasing the pain and shaking through something like that traumatic, they say that animals in nature that go through a trauma you know, they walk away from the situation and they shake to release that energy and they howl or whatever it is. And like, I didn't have that experience. And so what this trauma release therapy is for people who can dip into something like this or be open to something like this without psychedelics, um, because the process of, you know, psychedelic, people talk a lot about psychedelics, whether it's like psilocybin or, you know, ayahuasca, if that's how you're processing something, people can go do, you know, do that to process this. But if you're open to it, it's being open to releasing those emotions. And that's what I was open to. And I was just kind of like at the end of my rope. I was like, I wanted to get pregnant again. I didn't want to take this like anxiety and fear into my next pregnancy. I wanted to kind of just free myself more of, of it than talk about, talk about it. And so he brought me in and I tell my birth story and he would stop me and he played a ancient like Indian instrument, like from India. I don't know what it's called, um, but it's 
sort of sounds like what you would hear, what I think you would hear in, um, I don't know, like a meditation retreat in India or something, but mm-hmm. he's playing the instrument and he's just told me when you felt like the emotion bubble up and you felt like you might feel like you might cry, I'd like you to like lean into that and be open to crying. And it was totally transformational. It was a 75 minute session. I cried harder than I've cried probably in my whole life. And was, he's like, if you need to move, if you feel like you need to stand up, like I was having an out-of-body experience. Like I stood up, I had to shake my arms. I had to unbutton my like high-waisted mom jeans because I couldn't, I couldn't get enough breath deep enough into my stomach to like catch my breath. Um, and he's just like, you don't need to make sense of this. You need to process this. And that's what I did. Mm-hmm. And it was, insane. Like I have clients who I know are holding on to the loss of a child through miscarriage, who the loss of an ex-boyfriend or a divorce or whatever it is. And sometimes they're coming to me for food. And now I'm so much open to, I'm so much more open to this being uh, an avenue for healing for them before they attack, even like try to attack the food. Because especially if we've worked together and they had like all this gusto to do it, they come to me and they kind of peter out and then I don't hear from them for a couple of weeks. And then a month goes by or two months go by. And then they like raise their hand again and they're like, Hey, I'm back. I'm ready. Let's do it this time. And I'm like, well, these little failures to start mean that there's something keeping you from starting really. And something that's driving binge behavior, eating or self-soothing. And it's just, we got to process this. We got to move this energy through. And, um, and, you know, between my own experience and then talking to people who've, who I look up to like Katie Wells, wellness mama is amazing. And she had this major 50 pound weight loss transformation. And her weight prior to that weight loss was where it was, but her eating and lifestyle and habits and the way that she took care of herself and her family is better than I could ever take care of my family in regards to like how healthful they were. Like you look at it and be like, wow, like she's setting the bar for making her own bone broth, having her kids eat sardines. Like they're in her barrel sauna. They're all doing cryo. They're all doing functional movement and um, grounding and like all this crazy stuff. But like she worked on her own emotional things and the weight just started falling off and she didn't change her diet at all. And so there is something to that. And so for me, being ready to be pregnant again was so, so important. And I can't recommend that enough. Like be open to be open to the woo when it comes to processing outside of traditional therapy. Like if you're finding that you're hitting a wall with that, you might just need someone to hold space for you to process it. Mm. Wow, Cal. It's really powerful. Really, really powerful. Really powerful. It's nice to, it's really, it's nice to hear... And I felt like this during our last interview too, but you're so smart and you're so science-based and you're so articulate and you're so quick with everything. And this just feels like such a beautiful softening and it feels like such a beautiful part of you that's like, it's really beautiful to experience. And I'm just so thankful, you know, that you were able to do that Um, and then have that element to incorporate with your clients because I know for so many, it's so important. You mentioned that a lot of people, when when going through something like you went through, when they're processing, they self-soothe or they overeat or they binge. Did you experience anything related to food and diet that you caught yourself doing? Or what was your sort of, um, the way that you were processing your emotions? What was that experience like for you? 
Yeah. So I would say that I wasn't necessarily self-soothing with like food or alcohol or anything like that, but I was definitely throwing myself into work and shoving that stuff down. And it's weird because I, you know, obviously went through a pregnancy and someone might just be like, oh, I just, she had, she had a hip pain after her first pregnancy. And I just felt like I had like more knots and more physical ailments. And it's interesting because a lot of people that work on me, whether it's like a massage therapist, they'll ask me like how I am and how I'm doing. And I, and I, from the outside and, and just in my brain, I feel like I process stress really well. Like I'm like, I got this, like got this. I feel like really positive all the time, but people who touch my body are always like, you, you might be fine, but your body is carrying this for you. And whether that's like the tightness in my hips and my calves and my ankles and my neck, like it's in my body. And the awareness of that for me is important. That, that is, you know, I've been told that a number of times, but just realizing more and more that like I need to make and create space for the processing of that, whether that's trauma release therapy, whether that's breath work, whether that's massage, like especially as I continue to have children, my time, the time I have for myself becomes encroached upon and I am the keeper of and the preserver of my self-care and self-care changes when you're a mom. It really does. But it may be that I just have a masseuse that that's my thing. Like I haven't had my nails done in almost two years now, friends. Like it's, it's, (laughs) it's, it, that for me might just be like that that masseuse comes to my house every two weeks and that's my thing like that and my healthy wa- like clean water delivery like i got clean water delivery for christmas this year because i knew <laughs> if those bottles started coming that i would drink more that i would enjoy it more and so creating an environment a space where you're protecting that i think is so important and just i mean we just all need to keep evolving like i yes i like i was i am diehard science and i love that but we're just we in a decade of practice with clients, we're just so much more complex than that. And so I do like to break down rules for people like the anti-nutrients thing, lectins, phytates, oxalates, like, okay, that stuff might work for someone for a little bit or, you know, lifestyle diets or intermittent fasting now and keto. Now are you OMAD one meal a day? Like, I mean, things are just getting like, they just we all need to look at these as tools. And in the same way, like let's bring in all the other practices and look at those as tools. Um, I think you guys have always done a really good job on this podcast of interviewing people and exploring all these different facets of how we can take care of ourselves and grow. And, um, and so I, I look to you guys as like thought leaders in that and um, opening people's eyes to other modalities of healing. Appreciate that, Kel. Thanks, Cal Dog. Yeah. Sometimes we get so overwhelmed. We're like, okay, we're gonna try that now. I know, honestly, <laughs> it can be like overwhelming. But yeah, I think the just the different perspectives, especially as it relates to uh, self care and nutrition, because I think people can be so excited to hop on like the newest trend to see if it works for them. And yeah, it can be not you know it could be dangerous, but I just think it it, it could work against them if it's not for their particular body or needs. With your pregnancies, like I guess for anyone that is wanting to get pregnant or pregnant now, I guess as far as nutrition and supplementation, I'm curious if there's anything that like you 
you found while being pregnant that was super helpful and maybe something that people aren't necessarily told as kind of like a mainstream tip? Yeah, I mean, well, I've been... I don't know. I, I, lo- I look at pregnancy nutrition like I look at nutrition. I mean, did all of us maybe got a class in high school, maybe of nutrition, and then we're expected just to like know how to take care of ourselves while our parents are out there listening to the diets and the fads and trying to feed us right growing up. And then it, it's the same with pregnancy nutrition. I don't, I don't think there was ever a class on it. You know, it's like, it's like, great. I know. I, I don't know. I know calculus, but like, how come I don't know how to balance my checkbook and like buy food for my family? And like, I don't understand my ovulation, or how to get pregnant, or what I should be doing, or how I should be eating, or how I might feel. Like, I think there's a lot of surprises for people when they go to get pregnant. Like, they think, oh, I'll just get off birth control and I'll get pregnant next month. Like, there's so much to be taught um, to women about their bodies so that they feel empowered. And I'm so thankful that there are things like podcasts now where people and books and people coming out and sharing this information. But yeah, if someone's looking to get pregnant, I would say um, if you're on birth control, I would consider... Oh, well, first I go listen to the podcast I did with Dr. Sarah Hill. And if you guys haven't interviewed her, definitely put her on your list. Think about getting off birth control because it's people's ability to bring their cycle back um, is varies person, woman to woman. And then, you know, get on a prenatal. People I think don't realize like, they're like, oh, I'm going to think about getting pregnant. Like get on that prenatal three months prior because your eggs are maturing and in your, and your spouse or your partner or the person you're going to have a baby with, they should be upping their antioxidant load. They should be taking omega-3s just like you. Um, So there's, there is definitely responsibility um, on both parties when it comes to creating an embryo because you're talking about sperm and egg quality and both are taking a, like play a major role. So if you're like <laughs> eating you know, grass-fed proteins and all the produce and taking your prenatal and going to bed early and getting sun and yada, 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 and your partner's out there raging and smoking weed and eating fast food, I mean, my husband isn't like, raging and smoking, but like he was eating fast food, you know, Chris. <laughs> and I care about, like, I care about the quality of my, you know, of the embryos, the, the babies that the future sold my little, I mean, <laughs> their loves, like, obviously like you just want the best for them. Um, so I think people are surprised. So males and females should definitely think about their nutrient intake. They should definitely think about decreasing things that create oxidative stress in their body. And it's three months prior, like it's 72 days or something on average to um, even have prior to conception where that sperm's being developed. So they are responsible as well. So get on your prenatal. Um, And then antioxidants are interesting. Like they're things that we should up prior to um, getting pregnant. So these are things like curcumin and CoQ10 and the things that they tell you to like fight oxidative stress. But I would stop taking those in the first trimester of pregnancy. They're going to make you really nauseous. Like your body doesn't want to be attacked by things that are create some type of cellular response, right? We want to kind of lean into the mundane and boring eating. Um, and that's, I think, you know, there are some theories out there as to why people are nauseous in their first trimester it's a sign that you're pregnant. How would they have known back in the day? Like it's, um, you know, it's to keep you from eating things that might uh, create a foodborne illness. Like they want you to eat, your body's trying to eat plain things. But, you know, every pregnancy is different. I had no, absolutely zero nausea with Sebastian. I felt like a million bucks. I was taking a prenatal very seriously prior. I was fat adapted. I was dipping in 
to keto a little bit because I had had a miscarriage prior to Sebastian. So I was like, forget it. I got to get my act in gear. I'm going to line up my nutrition. I'm going to like kind of ditch this puff that I had put on with my miscarriage to like re-prepare my body for to try to get pregnant again. And, um, you know, like I was dialed with him and I felt like I had a good, I wasn't depleted. I had good nutrient status across my B vitamins, um, specifically folate, not folic acid. Folic acid is a synthetic form of folate. Most people have MTHFR, which is a gene mutation that keeps them from being able to make folic acid folate in their body. And to prevent neural tube defects, we need folate. So um, definitely, I think, Brands are getting on board, but some of my favorite prenatals are Seeking Health, Full Circle, Parallel. I mean, I, I like Ritual, but I don't think that they're anywhere near optimal levels when it comes to nutrient load. Um, but I do have clients that literally are so nauseous in their first trimester and or they like are anti-taking pills. They like can't swallow pills. And so two is better than eight. But, you know, it's prepare your body by up in your nutrient status because I look at my pregnancy with Toshin and I found out I was pregnant with Tosh. I weaned Sebastian on April 16th and I, I peed on a stick on April 17th and I was pregnant, which I was like, well, did it go? <laughs> that's sort of a bummer. It's exciting. I wanted to have a baby, but like no days off. <laughs> no days off. Wow. What happens? This is a weird question. What happens to your boobs? Like, so you're weaning, but you're preparing for another baby. Like, what is that like? Well, so um, it's totally a lie that you can prevent pregnancy um, 100% by breastfeeding. I think people think like, I'm breastfeeding. I can't get pregnant. Um, you could right. be totally, you could totally ovulate at any time. Um, and I think what, you know, what ends up happening is you breastfeed less and less and then your hormones start to return to normal to a menstruating you know to a place where you can menstruate again um, but that's going to happen before your period right like ovulation happens before we have a period friends so you can ovulate get pregnant and then miss a period so yeah. so i actually didn't have a period before i got pregnant but i had weaned sebastian enough we were down to the morning feed and the night feed so mama's listening no like you're going from feeding around the clock like right now with Tasha and it's like seven, 10, one, four, seven, 10. And then we skip that one, 4 a.m. and then seven again. So it's like, he's attached to my human body right now, 24 seven. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I probably am not in a place where my body's like, let's have another baby. But if anyone goes to formula, if anyone goes back to work and starts pumping or um, notices, you know, feels like they might be, going into um, PMS or like having a having PMS, like be careful, you can't get pregnant. There's a lot of oopsie babies out there all the time, you know? But yeah, your boobs just eventually turn into empty skin bags and then you get pregnant <laughs> and you get pregnant and your hormones come back and they fill back up and your hubby or partner's like, this is fun. And you're like, don't touch me. They're sensitive. No. Um, it's a good time. I mean, I don't know. I really enjoyed being pregnant with Sebastian and I enjoyed being pregnant with Tashin after I got through the nausea, but I do attribute um, I do attribute some of the nausea that I had with Tashin to having low nutrient status. I got lazy with my prenatals at the end of, of breastfeeding Sebastian because he was eating real food. So I'd say those last six months, so stupid. I should have been really serious about it, but supplements are hard. Like 
You're like, I'm in the mode. I take them all the time. And then you're like, yeah, what just happened? My little pill pack is full and I didn't take anything this week. So I would de- nutrient status is super important. Next time around, I, I would like to have a full a full period because I'd like to purge like old blood and and like be have a fresh little home for a new baby. Yeah, there's just a few things I would have done differently. Like I I think I'll probably wean Tosh in. I definitely will breastfeed him for a year, but I'll probably wean him like sometime after that and then have like two normal cycles and try again. I'm just a baby making machine. I know, I know you soccer team. are. We'll never forget it. Chris <laughs> wants a soccer team. <laughs> have you felt any, you know, you being in the public eye, have you felt any uh, pressure from moms? I know, LOL. But you are, you are. You're, you're a freaking Babe, celebrity, Kel. What are Come you talking on. about? Like, let's... You guys are so funny. That's so weird. <laughs> Babe. We actually have the We're same reaction when here. people say that. Yeah, I, I, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. Um, I help the celebrities. I'm not the celebrity. <laughs> I know. But you're, you're, very, you're very well known. And I'm curious if you've gotten like any mommy feedback or any pressures or have you felt any point where you're like, Oh gosh! Like, did I make the wrong decision? Is this right for me? Or are you always pr- like really confident? Look, like I'm a human. I'm gonna make human mistakes and errors. I'm gonna learn from my mistakes. I mean, I can, I'll tell you, like, being a mom is like, I mean, it's like a slap in the face every day. You're like trying your best with these small humans. You don't want to mess them up for life. You want them to feel loved. You want them to have a secure attachment. You want to make the right decisions for them the whole way. And you're learning. And I and I would say there's so much mommy information out there, like what you should be doing, what's the right way. You're drinking from a fire hose. So that at some point you have to like, you have to turn the water down and let it drip and then take what you want from it and go try it and see if it resonates with you, if it works for your family. Like I can tell you, I can do a dozen things. You want to do, you want to sleep train? You don't want to sleep train. You want your baby co-sleeping? You want your baby in your room in a bassinet? Or are you moving them to their own room? Then you move into feeding them. Are you going to feed them purees? You're going to do baby led weaning. Uh, are you going to do, you know, like mommy and me and all these classes? Are you going to be the kind of parent who's like, oh, I want them to learn in nature. And there's benefits. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. What kind of preschool are you going to do? You know, Reggio preschool? You're going to do a Montessori preschool? These are totally different education. Pro- like, you know, you're just like, you know, passy? You're not going to passy. And it's like, whoa. Like, how do I keep my kid alive? I want him to be happy. I want him to feel love. I don't want him to feel judged for his emotions and opinions. And I'm going to try my best. But I'm also human. I'm going to have a short fuse some days. I'm going to be tired some days. And then some days I'm going to be the mom whose phone's in the car and I'm at the park and he's giggling the whole way down the slide. You know, it's not going to be every day. I'm trying my best, you know? So I try to be open and honest. I feel so... I I feel like I can be myself on podcasts more than anything else. I don't know what it is about like video and Instagram and all that stuff where... I don't, I mean, I guess it's probably because people, I mean, some people take the time to write a really bad review. <laughs> like she's so annoying or whatever. But like for the most part, I, I'm not getting that instant feedback of why would you hit that? Or DMs like, you know, a passy is going to ruin their palate. It's like, I know I interviewed a pediatric, pediatric dentist about it. And she told me as a mom and a friend, look, if 
bash Sexapassi before you even got to help hold him and that's a thing for him and you don't want to take it away yet, you can do bite extenders later in life and he's going to be okay. As a dentist, do I want you to take it away? I do. I want you to wean it, but it also has to be the right time for you and for bash. And so I'm not going to stand up and say, passies are the right thing to do, but I'm going to tell you as a human and as a mom, like I watched my child hooked up to more tubes than anyone would ever want to see a small being be in a cold box and be handed a passy. And, and he literally started sucking and showing life that I am not taking it away from him. And if he wants to take it to college, I could give two-ish. You know what I mean? So yes. it's like at some point you have to tip, tap into like who you are as a mom, who you are as a woman, who you are as a wife. And you have to stop letting other people make you feel bad about it. Mm, beautiful. One of the, yeah, you as a wife, I, I actually want to talk about this with Chris. So because he's the bad by Chris and because he has his own eating ways and he's with someone that is so knowledgeable and regimented, I guess, how do you allow him to just be himself? You know, what about, because I know there's a lot of women in our community and, and this is why I'm asking, that often ask about, how do I talk to my partner about spirituality or how do I bring my partner on board or how do I kind of like have the conversation or like feel like we're in alignment with our partner on certain topics and issues. So what's your relationship with Chris in that way where you really allow him to sort of be who he is, eat how how he does and just be in relationship with you during that? Yeah, um, well, I would say that you know, we've been together since 2007. So he's grown a lot as a human and I've grown a lot as a human, but he is who he is. And, you know, if Chris wants to jump on DoorDash or Postmates and get himself a pizza, I'm not his mom, nor do I want to be nagging him. And I, I want him to be attracted to me. I want him to, to have sexual energy with me. Like, I think the minute we start nagging and narking and making someone feel bad about their choices instead of making them feel feel empowered when they make positive choices, it's a complete relationship shift. And so for me, what's more important is that he feels um, empowered and proud of the choices that he's making. And that's kind of like how I want to approach it with my kids too. So it started early on in our relationship where I would make us food. And I would make a smoothie. Um, and there are days when I make dinner here and Chris toasts up frozen bagels, you know, and they're, they're made, they may be, um, you know, gluten-free everything bagels and Kite Hill cream cheese. And I'm not, not keeping that around for him, but he eats dinner with us and he eats what we make. And then if he needs to eat half a jar of peanut butter with Lily's chocolate chips and or whatever's around, like, that's okay. I'm not going to be like, why are you doing that? I can't believe it didn't keep you full. Blah, 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 blah. Like it's more about, it's more about saying like, Hey, I see that you like bagels and cream cheese. Why don't you try this? And like, let's see if we can level up. And it's, if it's no big deal, does he still go get himself a bagel with cream cheese? Like, yeah, but I can't tell you it's been weeks, if not months, because he has access or he has something that kind of like scratches the itch for him. So for Chris though, like I can't make barbecue like the barbecue joints and I can't make pizza like the pizza joints. And I'm not going to take that from him. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to hope that we can in the same way that filling your plate with the fab four kind of like encroaches on what would be the sugary processed things. Like it, it just naturally weeds them out and, and 
doesn't allow for the same space for that. That's what we do. That's what I do with this food. So I think be an example. Don't get your feelings. I used to get my feelings hurt a lot. Like I'd like make him something and be like, I really want you to like it. I'm that person. Like I want people to like what I make for them. I want them to be excited about what I introduce them to. I, you know, it's how I've been since I was a kid. And, um, and so I've had to learn personally to get over the fact that like if I make cookies, but they're sweet laurel and I made them keto, that he's like, yeah, it just doesn't taste like chocolate chip cookies, but it's okay. It's okay. Like, you know, and I have to be like, I'm making this for me because I'm looking to enjoy this. And I'm making this to share with like my girlfriends who would rather have this than, you know, Mrs. Fields. And that's okay. If he's not 100% on board, he's not 100% on board. And it's, it's really had a lot to do with me having to accept that. And then also just changing the dialogue to be really positive versus being upset with the choices I don't agree with. Mm-hmm. I sometimes think like, leading by example does penetrate their consciousness. Like if they're seeing how like good you look and how you feel and the energy, like there is something that rubs, that rubs off. Both Kristen and I have, have, are, are oh, significant wow. That's others. So true. I mean, Sean is, wow. It's unreal. He still it's drinks. Amazing. Wow. It's unreal. I love him. <laughs> what was in the fridge or what was it like? He was here for three months and- Sugary cereals. Krista came over and she's like, what is going on in Chips your fridge? Ahoy. It was- Orange juice, things orange I've never juice, seen in you know, years. which isn't bad in theory, but like he'll have a huge thing of orange juice. He loves cereal, so it's like cocoa puffs, it's whatever. He just love, yeah. But he loves, hey, he loves athletic greens, and he thinks that that is <laughs> his greens, like mm-hmm. his serving. I'm like, did you get greens like for your dinner? He's like, I had athletic greens. I'm mm-hmm. like, hey, it's a start, and this is where we start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Someone was a gateway for us into this world. Something got us curious about it. And so I would not stop trying. I would not stop introducing them to things. Like I look back at living in LA and taking Chris to Erwan and that, I mean, that is like the Mecca, right? But to have like turmeric, coconut flour, chicken fingers, and for him to be cool with that versus like some drive through, or they had orange chicken that tasted like PF Chang's, like, but made in a different way. Like, Having options obviously makes it a lot easier. But even if you're, you know, we have since like moved out of LA, um, you know, I'm close enough to drive in, but it's more of the typical fast foodie type delivery if we're down here. And um, and so we did find a place that's like the organic tree and they have like juices and smoothies and salads. And literally it, we started doing like, green juice date where I like get this like avocado coconut smoothie. And he's like, I want a green juice. And I'm not going to be like, well, don't get the apple in that because that's going to spike your blood sugar. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's who am I? You know, it's like I now he's like, bash. If I have a podcast or something, bash, we're going to go on an adventure. Everything's an adventure in our house if we leave the house. So we're going on an Mm -hmm. adventure and we're going to go to the organic tree. We're going to get, you know, they had like triple fermented sourdough avocado toast and like, mm. um, you know, the smoothie or the juice. And it's like, I'm not going to be like, get in this or get in that. It's like, this is a good little thing that they're starting to do together without me. I'm so impressed. So mm. it's like, you know, give it time and yeah. praise it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yesterday we were in the car and Justin's like, wow, green juices are so much better when there's green apple in them. <laughs> he was like drinking. I was like, I know, man. I totally know. Like, I literally totally know what you mean. <laughs> we on trips have to do like, we'll do two breakfasts or like two dinners sometimes because we'll go to like my place, which is like organic tree. He always calls my places. He's like, oh, we're going to the green rainbow. Like he always like thinks of the, the buzzwords <laughs> that are my place. He's like, oh, the green rainbow tree or whatever it is. <laughs> And then his are always like some sort of like carnivorous meat place. But um, yeah, it's something that I see as like funny and endearing. And I also notice just in my personal life that, you know, my relationship with food is so much more like emotional. It's so much more loaded than his. His is like, I'm going to order and eat an entire pizza once a month because I feel like I want to do that. And it's not as like you know, there's just not that like extra energy there that I also realize is something that's really beautiful. I'm like, oh, the freedom that you have with like your relationship with food when you do allow yourself to eat these things or Mm -hmm. eat in this way without that second guessing is like beautiful. I'm like, you're almost lucky. So it's like, I'm lucky because I have the awareness of all the food. I eat really well, but then also you kind of have the awareness too much at times. Um, So I think it's really beautiful that there's like that balance. That resonates with me so much. Just because I think I've had male clients and you know this intuitive eating thing is like so popular right now. And it's been around for such a long time. It's just like, I feel like it's like fashion. We're like, are we wearing bell bottoms or crop tops back? Like, oh no, we're in the wide leg jeans. I'm not ready for that. Like, you know, take take me back to the skinny jeans. But that's how it is with diets and lifestyles. It's like, it's just reimagined Atkins or it's reimagined whatever, you know? Um, And intuitive eating has been around for a really long time, but men are so good at intuitive eating. I have a very small percentage of men that are not intuitive eaters um, and are a little more emotional eaters, but it's like the absolute opposite with my female clientele. And it's just because we, we, yeah, we just have more emotions. We have more hormones. We have more to process. We have more on our plate. No offense to the men listening. Like we just, you, we have more hats to wear and we're expected to kind of like do it all and keep a smile on our face and, but also be in your size two jeans. And do the working out and all those things that make your body look like that before the kids wake up so that they can have these pancake breakfasts that are green because it's St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> oh, God. Kill, kill it's me. It's true. It's true. There's so, yeah, there's truly so much on our plates. I, I do want to talk about the journal because I think it's just such a, a beautiful um, support system for people, especially if they're you know, doing the Fab Four. And and I, I really, I love I love what you teach because it is such a full 360 lifestyle um, change for people. And I loved the emphasis on mindset in here because I think it's a piece that we forget about. We're like, no, 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 let me just like get exactly what I need to eat. Tell me what I need to do for a workout and I'll do it. And then I'll see the change and yeah, that missing piece, that mindset piece, or even, you know, with your example of of doing that particular therapy after um, traumatic birth, it was like that piece that, mm-hmm. that really allowed for the space to heal, to change. Can you just kind of describe what the, the non-nutritional pieces are of um, this practice of what you teach that you've included in the journal, like the positivity tracking? Yeah, no, I think positive... Tr- Positivity tracking is the most transformational because it's gratitude journaling, but with like a different spin. Um, I think 
you know, when we, when it comes to setting goals and it comes to change, we always take these, like, we have these really big, vague goals. It'd be like, I want to lose 50 pounds. And you're like, how are you going to do that? What are you going to do? What steps to get you there? Like, I'm going to work out 10 minutes a day for five days a week to be for this, to do that. To And you like actually make it a tangible goal and with something you, an action item, an action step. So positivity tracking is like gratitude journaling. Like every time I sit down with people or if you've ever done like a gratitude circle with someone, they're like, I'm really thankful for my health. I'm really thankful for my husband or my kids or I'm thankful for my house or my dog. And it's like every day they're writing down, I'm thankful for my dog. I'm thankful for my dog. And you're like, okay, but like, how is that changing your outlook every single day? And you're not going to change your outlook of your day without getting specific about what you're thankful for. Like, for example, it is St. Patrick's Day and I have a big balloon rainbow that was dropped off in our driveway this morning for Sebastian. And I'm actually thankful that you know he had a meltdown when he saw it. He, was, he doesn't like surprises as much as mom and dad. But I'm just thankful that I had the foresight to do that because I'm trying to make holidays in this COVID quarantine lockdown life really special for my child. And that would be something that I would write down. Like, I'm so thankful that, you know, Bash had a special St. Patrick's Day today. Or, um, he, you know, the like the look on his eyes when he finally got over the tears and realized that this was actually fun. <laughs> and then you might say, like today, uh, I'm really thankful that I had the time to connect with Lindsay and Krista. I haven't seen them in so long. And they just like, they give me so much, they provide me with like, so much juicy energy and excitement. I just like feel really, I feel grateful that like I, I know you women and that like you are impacting so many people and that I have the opportunity to sit here. I've been a guest before. Like, thank you for bringing me back. Like, that'd be something that I'd write down. And so, what ends up happening is instead of just being like, I'm thankful for my dog and my house and my kids, you start to notice what you're grateful for in the moment, in, in the moments of the day. So it isn't waiting till the end of the day to be like, this is happening. It becomes a practice that then is integrated into your day where in the moment you're like, this is really special. This is so awesome. This is so funny. This is so great. Um, and, and you actually end up starting to, you start to feel positive about things that, that aren't so great, like teachings, learnings, like, and it, and it just changes the view, your view on life. Like another thing, um, you know, that maybe, will resonate with people is that if you have these type of moments, then you start to notice like, I really like the taste of this coffee or I really, wow, what a beautiful sunset. Like it doesn't have to be these big things. It's like we start to really feel thankful for specific things. And then those specific things present themselves day in and day out. And during COVID, I will tell you, it was life-changing for me. Like everyone is talking, there was so much negativity in 2020. Um, and I really felt like I was, feeling grateful and thankful for the things like we used to get in our car and drive from Brentwood all the way up to Malibu because that Whole Foods was bigger. And we were worried about, you know, all the amount of people in the grocery stores in LA and wearing our masks and like disinfecting everything when we got home and doing all that. And um, what we would do is we drive to Malibu and it was a 30 minute drive with Chris and Bash and me in the car up PCH. And we got out of our little small apartment. And I used to be so grateful for the days we went to the grocery store. And then I was like, grateful for having like big aisles in the Whole Foods in Malibu to be like, wow, what am I going to find? And what am I, what am I going to make? 
So I was really finding the silver linings throughout the pandemic because of this practice so much so that I felt it was like important that I reached out to my editors and that we did something, we created some way to create positivity through journaling in a very specific way. Mm. Yeah, it's really powerful. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to do it, to be honest. I think it's beautiful. And then it's nice too to see the additional component of like writing your thoughts and emotions out of your head mm-hmm. and out of your body and onto the page. I could talk to you for the rest of my life, to be honest. <laughs> so the only other question I wanted to ask is really off topic, but I kind of need to know it. I was thinking about I'm like, what do I want to ask my like guru? Gluten-free foods. If you're not gluten-free, should you be eating them? <laughs> hmm? Wait, gluten-free foods, if you're not gluten-free, should you be eating them? Yeah, Um, yeah, sorry, if you're not celiac. Yeah, I mean, so here's the deal. Like, I think gluten-free on the side of a package can be like as just as much of a marketing term as like low-fat was back in the day because there are gluten-free foods made of rice flour. And we can say like, actually rice flour versus like a sprouted wheat or it's sourdough made in a traditional way with minimal ingredients. Then you look at the gluten-free package and turn it around. There's like, 45 ingredients plus fillers and gums. I'm like, no, like if you don't have a, if you don't have a glutinous issue and you're not having processed foods very often, I would say go for, go for traditionally made foods with minimal ingredients. And, um, you know, there is a lot of research connecting gluten with, you know, everything from like autoimmune disorders to digestive issues in PubMed research. But I think people won't know if gluten affects them unless they cut it out of their life for two to three weeks and then bring it back and reintroduce it and see like, how do they feel? Do they have bloating, gas? Um, do they have discomfort? Um, if, you're, if, the, if you have a headache, if you have brain fog, like if you notice a symptom post-reintroduction, then you may be intolerant. And so I would consider not eating it, but gluten-free packaged foods over gluten-filled packaged foods, like you really have to, you really have to look at the ingredients and you have to look at the nutrition and you have to look at the blood sugar effect. Um, because if I'm looking at a weird gluten-free food that has a million ingredients, or I'm looking at, you know, organic triple fermented sourdough bread for Sebastian, like I'm going to pick sourdough bread. I never feel good when I eat gluten-free things. Yeah. It's weird. I, so that's why that's it a good question. Feels hard to digest. Yeah, I'm like, why do I? And I'm I'm pretty. I have an iron stomach, and it always surprises me. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm like, huh? That okay. was why I was like, oh, this doesn't feel as good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My question for my guru is um, having to do with non-dairy milks, mm-hmm. and I know you've spoken about this, but I kind of want to get it straight and clear on on the pod. I feel like I kind of change what I'm choosing when I going either get my coffee or lattes and I'm pretty, I always try to see behind the counter like what brand, what brand they're using. But can you kind of walk us through like anything we should be aware of when it comes to non-dairy milks? Like uh, oat milk is super popular right now. I want to make sure that there's not some shit in there that's making it taste really good that could be potentially uh, harmful or agitating any allergies or creating inflammation? Yeah. I mean, well, first and foremost, it's really interesting because just in explaining, I'm currently writing a Fab Four Under Four nutrition course and I had my pregnancy course come out last year. But you know, that's one thing that you're told with like kids. You're like, okay, well, if you're weaning them from your breast milk and you're going to introduce, what do you introduce? Do you introduce uh, cow's milk, goat's milk? Do you introduce coconut milk, almond milk, flax milk, oat milk. You start to compare the nutrition of these. I want people listening to understand that like a 
Milk squeezed out of a nut, a seed, a coconut, an oat. This is not a significant source of nutrition. This has been soaked with water and blended and put through a nut bag to create creamy water, but there is not a significant amount of nutrition in there. So that's one thing you want to remember. This is not the replacement for eating whole foods, um, wild proteins, veggies. Like We're not getting significant nutrition here. It's something that's making your coffee taste good, making your smoothie a little bit more creamy. Um, but I would definitely, I would definitely take another look if you're, you know, um, giving your kid almond milk. I would say like, let's make sure they have a solid diet. Like my son, Bash drinks almond milk. He has a dairy allergy, um, but the kid eats red meat and salmon and veggies. Like it's his job. And his brother will probably torture me and do the exact opposite. We'll find out. But when it comes to these nut milks, then you want to say, okay, the same way that we look at gluten-free products, what's included here? Well, you want the nut or the seed or the grain, right? To be the number one ingredient with water, those two. Then if it's a cleaner company like a Malk or a Good Milk, or I think um, you know, a lot of these companies are now starting to come out with just the, just the ingredient and water because that's really all they need. Maybe they add a little salt, a little cinnamon. You don't need much more than that. Um, but what they're what they want it to do is they want it to look pretty, right? So they want it to look uniform. If you were to put pour it into a glass, they don't want separation. So to create that milk look, when you pour it from a container, they're going to use gums, emulsifiers, or fillers to do that, and that's creating that milky color in the glass the minute you pour it. And when you pour it in your coffee, you're not going to get like the weird separation. If you've ever used a clean almond milk and coffee, you immediately see like chunks of weird small almonds yeah. sort of floating in your coffee. That's actually how I know that the coffee, that the almond milk is probably cleaner <laughs> is that separation happens. Um, but the problem is, you know, everyone got really excited about oat milk. I always go back to the source. Yes, it's not a significant, um, it's not a significant uh, source of nutrition. So we're going to like pull that nutrition piece off. It's for fun, right? It's for fun. It's for an alternative. It's to like eat cereal if that's what you want to do. It's to pour it in your coffee, right? So then we have to look at what is it sort. What is it mostly? So like oats mostly are processed. You know, when they're made into oat milk, it's a, it's sugar. It's a processed carbohydrate. It's going to create a blood sugar spike. Whereas like coconuts are going to be, you know, they're going to have some carbohydrates, but they're going to have like MCT fat in them, right? Then you look at nuts and seeds like almonds and cashews and hemp. Um, you're going to get more of a of a complex micro or macronutrient profile of protein, fats, fibers, carbohydrates, sort of a thing. So you're not going to have as much as a, of a spike from uh, almond milk versus an oat milk, right? Then we got to take a deeper look at what's going on in the oat milk world. Um, grains can be a little more inflammatory. A majority of of uh, a majority of oats are sprayed with glyphosate, so their pesticide residue is higher. Um, and people use oat over almond because they want to save water, right? And they want they say you know to you you need so much water to make one cup of oat of almond milk versus oat, right? If someone's worried about the environment, I recommend flax milk. Malibu milk is a phenomenal milk. Flax doesn't need to be pollinated; it's friendly to bees, so bees aren't getting covered in pesticides. We're keeping the bee population, you know, great. If you um, eat flax, it's they don't even need to water it. It grows from rainfall. Um, so that's another great thing. And so, um, and because it's a seed versus a grain, it's going to have more of a protein, fat, fiber 
profile versus a mostly carbohydrate profile. Um, and the kicker with oat milk is the majority of oat milks, because they want to create that foamy latte consistency, they include rapeseed oil. Rapeseed oil is canola oil. So that's going to create when the barista frosts that up, they may not need to add as much sugar as they would to a barista coconut milk or a barista almond milk, which they're adding sugar to create that like sweet and froth. They're out now adding rapeseed oil. So unfortunately, canola oil or rapeseed oil is an industrial seed oil. Heating it's going to oxidize it further and that creates more inflammation in the body. And if someone wants to learn about um, how we put on fat and the differences in between the types of fat that we put on, either putting fat into an existing fat cell or creating new fat cells. Ben um, Bickman, Dr. Ben Bickman on my podcast goes into how your body does that. And unfortunately, in his research, he's been able to uncover that industrial seed oils, which people, depending on who you follow, will say they're bad for you or they don't really, it doesn't really matter. Unfortunately, in his research, he's showing that it um, lowers insulin sensitivity. So when we're having these oils, it creates a type of fat growth that creates inflammation, it creates insulin resistance and an inability to, to break that down and use it for fuel. So I personally, if you want to do oat milk, I would do gluten-free, glyphosate residue-free if you can find one. I know Malibu milk came out with a, with a oat milk flax blend that is the first that I know of glyphosate residue-free brand. Um, and it's sugar-free and they do vanilla and it has a little cinnamon in it. So it's pretty good. Um, but, you know, make your own. It's so easy. Organic, you know, Bob's Red Mill or Now Foods oats, soak it in water, blend it up, add a little splash of vanilla and some cinnamon and you're saving money and you're, you know, you're not having the oils in your milk. Yeah, Dang. I needed that, Cal. No, that no, was, that, that that was, was great. perfect. Flax milk for life. I, I yeah. like that. I love it. I love it because I I'm the type of person that I hear certain facts, especially that you say, and I'll never forget. I know, it. never. So I'll, I'll be at the coffee shop and be like, "Got it, okay." Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And if you want, yeah, that's it's important. Yeah, if you want, like I know um, Oatly or was it Oatly just launched a Starbucks? Like Starbucks is now going to be offering oat milk like nationwide as of like a week ago or so. You heard it here first, friends. Um, you know, and that's going to become. Does that mean it's not good? It's going to become really popular. The brand that I think that they picked up, and I'll let you know, um, I'll, I'll double check, is the one with rapeseed oil. Because I think they do Khalifa too, which is super sugary. And then their coconut blend is like atrocious. We're like, what's that Pacific? Sorry, I don't oh, want to yeah. shit on brands. Yeah. Pacific is um, actually pretty good. Pacific does it with a, okay. like minimal okay. um, emulsifiers and fillers. And they, uh, they do have a barista blend. Most coffee shops, like the hipster coffee shops in LA, they're going to be using a barista blend because they want their coffee to taste good with the nut milk, you know? So the people that have the most success are the ones that don't need all the lattes when they go out. And they just, they're like, I'm going to have a cup of coffee, you know? But I... Bless those people. I'm not that person. Like I have to have a splash of something. It's a little bit like motor oil if I just have a cup of black coffee. So I used to actually get my coffees at Whole Foods because they use an unsweetened organic almond milk. And um, yeah, I wasn't paying those uh, LA barista prices and I could get some groceries when I was there. Genius. I love that. Also, I think Sweet Green, uh, their dressings have grapeseed oil in it, right? Yeah. And there's been like, you know, I've had people DM me when I go to Sweet Green. Did you know that the spicy cashew dressing has safflower, sunflower? Here's the deal. I am never going to be perfect. I am going to knowingly make decisions to enjoy something without feeling bad about it. 
And that's what you need to ask yourself. Like, I think it, we control the controllable, meaning do your best to bring the clean stuff into your home because that's where you're eating the most often. And that is where you're feeding your family. And that's where you're grabbing things. And if you can do that, then when Chris orders barbecue or pizza or we get takeout or I want a latte out, I'm not going... I'm not enjoying this almond milk latte because I know there's sugar in it and I'm a bad person. Like, why would I get it? Like, that, there's no joy in that. Like, do not, please do not live that life. Like, I am here to tell you that tomorrow there's going to be a new thing that's here to kill you, a new thing that's toxic, a new thing that's bad for you. Um, so, we just, every time we learn something, we take it in, we decide how can I make a few personal changes in my life, in my home, and outside of my home that may, allow me to elevate with this new information. But in no way am I here to make you feel bad about your latte because it's. I'm just here to teach and allow people to take that information and try to edit their life. You know, not 100%, but like 80% of the time. Mm, yeah. That's great permission, Kel. Love it. Can't wait to see the new crib. I know. Praying for the house. Oh, I'm excited for you. Praying for the house. Yeah. It's so funny. It's like, this is it's what beautiful. I think everyone wanted for you. And you you obviously did it because you're such a smart, savvy business person. But everything that you have just feels like, oh, this is exactly right. Yes. Like all of this is exactly right and feels super intuitive. So if anyone wants more, we've been on Kelly's pod. Kelly has a pod. Kelly's been on maybe four times now. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can go from the very beginning <laughs> <laughs> to the show. And you can find her on Instagram, Be Well by Kelly. You can find Body Love and then the Body Love, a journal out right now. Yeah. And where can people get okay. your protein? Oh, well, so I'm I'm on Amazon and they can buy it on my website as well. So grass-fed beef isolate, chemical-free extraction, all your collagen. Damn. So good. So, so good. So is beef isolate, isolate whey, or, whey is or is it collagen? No. Beef isolate is, you know how you make bone broth? You take bones and you stew it down. Well, those bones don't have any meat on them. So what you're getting is collagen amino acids. So we have fleshy bones, meaning not like, oh, it's like a T-bone steak, but they're just, they just contain a little bit more muscle meat and they drop down in there and you make it just like bone broth. There's no dairy at all. Okay. Wow. I was wrong. That is it's way. delishy. It's so, so good. I highly recommend. Um, well, we love you. Thank you for making the time as always. And I can't wait to squeeze you in person. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. Honestly. We'll, we'll come see you to your soon. housewarming. <laughs> love you. All right, we'll love see you ya. later. Bye. Go wake up the baits. <laughs> Bye. Thanks so much, Kelly. You're the best. KellyLevesque.com. You can find her on Instagram, Be Well by Kelly. If you search Kelly Levesque, you can find four more episodes with that lovely human in us. Love you, Kel. And announcement. We have a major sale starting tomorrow. Our merch is 50% off in celebration of Earth Day. Our merch is slow fashion, sustainable, eco-friendly, designed uh, by our friend Danny of Daisy LA, made locally. We're super proud of it. We've seen hundreds of you wearing it and we're just pumped to get it in more hands. So it's 50% off uh, starting tomorrow through Sunday the 25th. Yes, you guys, it's the softest merch. 
That's it's soft, so yeah. soft. It's so soft. Size inclusive, all the of best. the things. So make sure you check our Instagram for all information. Um, but we're really, really excited. Yes. Happy Earth Day. Enjoy. And we want to thank our sponsors for this episode. We have Element. So we talked about Element in this episode. We talked about it at the beginning, but it is an amazing electrolyte beverage. You guys have to get the citrus salt. Also want to thank... Monday.com, Hugh Kitchen, Function of Beauty, and Sakara. All of the discount codes and information are in our show notes as well as on almost30.com. Just scroll down and click on Partners. Sometimes I'll just go on there and be like, I'm in the mood to shop yeah, same. with discount. Same. Get some amazing <laughs> clothes, get yes. food, wellness stuff. So we have so many great brands that we work with. So definitely check out the site and get your shop on. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you. And we will see you back here every Tuesday and Thursday. See you soon. Bye. Bye.